We've had some beautiful days lately, and it's really been a gift, uh, kind of a, at a time, uh, an opportune time when you know stress is high, and and it's just so good to be able to breathe outside and and experience the sun. Um, hopefully, you've been able to uh, get out there a little bit. A little bit. Um, I was able to go camping outside my brother's house in a tent, and. I bring this up because in this tent, he has a oil lamp. So in the gospel, we hear about these lamps with oil. Not something we use very often, but um, an oil lamp providing my light. And so it's a little bit of uh, time to reflect on that. It made me think also about a different time when I went camping that required a lot more preparation than just this few days ago. Probably back in October of last year, a friend of mine conceived of the idea to take a group up to the boundary waters. We were all in seminary still as deacons before being priests, and we thought, wouldn't that be great to all go up to the boundary waters during the summer? So that's the northern border of uh, Minnesota between Minnesota and Canada, this wilderness area. So he gathered up a couple seminarians to commit, and eventually in December, um, I committed to go. Um, my very first adventure like that. At some point, the one who organized the trip sent out a list of all the things that we would need, all the things to prepare for. Um, so, I, And I, looking at this list, realized I had almost none of those things except for a tent. So I began to look for things here and there. I put many things on my Christmas list, hopefully that my family would help me out to prepare. We met several times together as a group to plan how we're going to get up there, to prepare you know, various roles, who's going to take care of the coffee, who's going to take care of preparing for mass, what's our route going to be, who's going to canoe with who, how do we do everything. And eventually there came a time where I felt like I had done so much research and preparing. We started this very early, mind you. So much knowing about what I needed and what's going to happen that there wasn't going to be too much more that I could imagine without actually experiencing it. Even more, when the time came for us to, to push off, to put out from the dock, there was no going back to get more things. We had what we had, and that was going to have to be enough to survive. Preparation is key for many endeavors, especially when your life depends on it. Yet, no matter how much one mentally or materially prepares, sometimes the greatest preparation is experiencing something once in order to learn for the next time, to be all the wiser for it. Indeed, for this Boundary Waters adventure, until I lived it out, I would not be a wilderness camper and could not put the sticker on the back of my car. Part of living out that experience was something that I feared wouldn't happen, that I, that I couldn't imagine preparing for. On our last night, things had gone quite well. On our last night, we went to bed early because of the mosquitoes. The next morning, we just had seven miles left. In a few hours in the morning, we would be back at the base and on our way back home. So I fell asleep after doing my night prayers, 
to rest up for the final leg of the trip. It was a very quiet night. And at one point, something started splashing on the shore. Then something started flipping over our canoes. My tent was right on this little narrow path leading from our canoes to the campfire. My first thought was, oh no, it's a grizzly bear. I'm dead. Now, I, I guess there aren't really many grizzly bears in that area. They're probably black bears, but that was my thought. My heart began to race. I thought to myself, stay calm. Don't breathe too loudly. Then the beast began walking up that path, getting close to my tent. I could feel the ground shaking beneath its feet. Then it was right beside me. Surely it could hear my heart pounding through my chest. I was glued to the ground. If I wanted to look it up and look, I couldn't. Was it hungry? I began to pray silently, a sincere prayer. Jesus, send this beast away. In the name of Jesus, I command this beast to leave. Then it put its nose right up against my tent, by my head, started sniffing. Must have not smelled very good. But I said, Jesus, help, Jesus, help. I thought that might be the end of me. Then it groaned like a warrior, in, like a beast, like a warrior about to charge its enemy. And instead of charging it, walked away and went to the next tent. By this time, I think all of us in the group were wide awake. And at this point, it didn't much matter if I had packed that water filter, if I had remembered matches, band-aids, or enough food. What mattered was life itself. <laughs> and I wanted to keep it. But if not, and this is something that came to me that evening, was I prepared for death? Now, as a first-timer out there, that was probably an overreaction. But nonetheless, it came to me, am I prepared for death? That's what our gospel and second reading are kind of getting at today. That's also what we ponder usually at the end of the liturgical year. We're in the 32nd Sunday in ordinary time. There's two more Sundays left in ordinary time. Then we get to Advent where our liturgical year starts over. We ponder the last things of death, heaven, hell, and judgment. If preparation is key for the things that might affect our earthly life, then those things are of utmost importance which pertain to our eternal life. However, like the virgins in the gospel who were not prepared for the bridegroom to come, those five who didn't have enough oil with them, we don't get a second chance when it comes to our life. Sure, some people have near-death experiences, you know, and, and it feels like a second chance. Um, we all know people who have died and many, you know, might be being very painful experiencing someone die close to you. And that can spark meditation on that, you know, the fragility of life. But in regards to our faith, our experience of living out that faith is our preparation for death. Our living out that faith is our preparation. 
In the gospel, there's a lot of symbolism with the different elements in it. The lamps that the virgins have represent the virtue of faith. The oil in them is the acts of faith we made in life. Acts of trust and surrender to God's will is a good way to look at the oil. And God knows we all need to take a breather of trust and surrender to his providence. But the most common interpretation of that oil is in light of the rest of the chapter we're in, Matthew 25, that the oil represents good deeds or acts of charity. This will become clear as we get more into the chapter, especially when we get to the point, uh, you know, the story with the, the, the sheep and the, the lamb uh, and the goats. I was hungry and you gave me to eat and so on. Love of God and love of neighbor, this all comes together from the past number of weeks. The two greatest commandments, the golden rule. These two loves of God and neighbor go together because as St. James wrote in his letter, faith without works is dead. When we die, we have in that lamp what we've got. While on a camping trip or in many other situations in life, we can borrow from one another to get by and even lending to others is an act of charity. Yet when it comes to the end of life, there really isn't that opportunity to borrow. The good news is that we do have two deaths. Because all who are baptized into Christ Jesus have died with him. And because Jesus died and rose from the dead and we are baptized into his death, we also have that hope of rising in his resurrection. Our bodily death, our falling asleep, as St. Paul references it in the second reading today, is our second death. This, in the parable, is represented by the virgins falling asleep at the bridegroom's delay. The announcement of the bridegroom's coming represents Jesus' second coming, the end of time. The virgins waking up represents the resurrection. Stay tuned in two Sundays from now when we celebrate Christ, the King of the universe. We will hear the story about the final judgment. Okay, so back to the grizzly bear. I'm here standing before you, so things worked out. Eventually, one of my friends did something that spooked the beast, and it ran through the woods. When we awoke, we all had a little story to tell of how afraid we were. What I didn't expect is to see next to my tent moose prints. Now, at first I thought, oh, there was nothing to be afraid of in the end. However, I learned that depending on the size, moose can be more dangerous and more territorial than any bear would be. Nonetheless, this creature of God, Brother Moose, provided for us an opportunity to reflect on that question of end of life. And so we can today. When everything seems to be changing, it can be hard to prepare for anything in the next year, 
but we can prepare for eternal life by choosing to trust in God, by acts of charity, by spending time in quiet prayer, especially before going to bed, which every time we fall asleep is almost like a practice for dying. And by going to confession, am I ready? To close, St. Francis of Assisi, at the end of his life, was ready. He had written a poem, The Canticle of the Sun, as we, we know it. You may recognize the lines about Brother Sun and Sister Moon. He and his brother friars at his deathbed prayed and sung this canticle, and they added a couple lines to the end as a way to help prepare others for the end of their life. The canticle from St. Francis ends like this. Praised be you, my Lord, through sister death, from whom no one living can escape. Woe to those who die in mortal sin. Blessed are they she finds doing your will. No second death can do them harm. Praise and bless my Lord and give him thanks and serve him with great humility.